Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at ISBI360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome to the Crowdmakers. This is Bill Gertine, and we are graced with the presence of Brian Dockett. We're glad to have him on the program. He is the Senior Vice President of Premium Seat Sales for Live Nation. Brian, welcome to the program. Good morning, Bill. Great to be here. Thanks. Well, so it's been several months now. What have you been doing during the pandemic to kind of better yourself? You've got a book on the nightstand, something you've routine that you've begun. What's going on in your world? No, it's been interesting because it's really been the first time that actually been able to sit back and just reflect a little bit on, on what's going on. Uh, you know, every day, I think all, all of us, and no matter what industry you're in, sports, entertainment, uh, we've all been on this uh, treadmill of life and it come to a screeching halt real quick for all of us. So it's really been for me a time of reflection, uh, you know, to kind of see what's going on, not only on the work side, but on the personal side, sure. uh, you know, a, as well. And, you know, one thing I got into and our company, you know, Michael Rapino, our CEO, has been a huge fan and always been promoting meditation. We have meditation time in our offices. Even uh, if you're not in an office where we have that, we have virtual meditation for our, our, our staff. And I never got into it. But then I said, you know what, let me try this. And it's actually been fantastic. Um, you know, really just taking, taking it down a notch or two every day uh, and just resetting yourself to go forward. So that's been, uh, you know, for me, been a huge, huge uh, thing to kind of just step back and take a deep breath. Um, you know, as far as a, I'm not a massive reader, um, you know, but I I'm, do have Maxwell's Daily Reader uh, right at my desk. So for me, I like the quick snips and get right into it and not have a 100-page book or 200-page book to have to go read. So uh, I really enjoy that every day. Cool. I didn't know that about Michael and meditation. Have you put that into your routine as part of your normal work day? What, what does the work day look like for you now? You know, listen, a, a normal work day, you know, listen, being home now is, is very different because now I've eliminated, you know, about an hour and 15 minute commute each way to the office between uh, commuting from north of New York City into, uh, into Manhattan, you know, hour train ride and then two subways and a walk to the office. So uh, I've actually just been taking that time for myself. Uh, and just kind of enjoying that, you know, wife and two kids, they're not up <laughs> early enough. So I got some quiet time. I get my little GMA in with Robin and, uh, and Michael every morning. So I get my, uh, my news of what happened overnight or what may be news, uh, things continuing to go on, uh, you know, in, in, our, in our world. But, you know, that wear and tear on the body for, for me and, and not jumping on an airplane when I'm normally on an airplane pretty much at least 40, 40 weeks out of the year. Uh, this has been uh, been been great, and you know, listen, I, I do miss kind of that hustle and bustle of jumping on the train or jumping on an airplane, uh, you know, because for me, it's my quiet time where I just kind of think, you know, about the business and and, and think about personal things uh, as well. But yeah, you know, we're we're still a little bit on the treadmill. It's just a you know a couple points lower 
uh, you know, on, on, on the thing. And for me, it's the silver lining of all this is, you know, for pretty much five straight months, I've had dinner with my, my wife and kids, um, you know, and I would, you know, my wife and I were just talking about it recently. I, said, I, I can't remember the last time that maybe three weeks in a row we had dinner every single night. So for me, that's been a massive silver lining. My kids are, you know, 20 and 18. So one left two weeks ago to go back to school and the other one's finishing up high school. So this time next year, I'll be a, uh, you know, no kids in the house. So it'll be empty nesters. So, you know, this for me was kind of a gift, I, I would say, just to have that special time. We made a lot of great memories uh, during that time and uh, something I'll cherish forever. Cherish the family time and the personal time, but not, you know, all the COVID stuff that all of us have been going through. Bet. Well, Live Nation is the juggernaut of live entertainment worldwide. And of course, this has been a particularly difficult time for you and the entire entertainment industry. You've had some restructuring recently. You've either had to furlough or lay off a good percentage of your sales team, just like everyone else has. Uh, what's the Live Nation forecast for live events going forward? Give us a, a little bit of a window as to what you're talking about internally. Yeah, no, listen, I, I think just like any of us, we're all stepping back and in and, and kind of that waiting game of when, when is this thing going to pivot, uh, you know, for, for all of us. And, you know, for, for us, you know, the part of the business that I'm on is the summer concert season. So I'm all the amphitheaters. So, you know, that's where the majority of my focus lies every day. Um, obviously, this season did not happen. Um, but as we look forward, you know, to, to next summer, that, that's where we're looking for. That's where the company is focused on uh, and getting us restarted to, to get the summer concert season, you know, back, back up and running. You know, listen, the, the most encouraging thing, uh, we just finished the study and then Michael included in our earnings call uh, just recently, and, and that is 86% of our fans have kept their tickets for shows for next year. So the intent to return is huge. I saw those numbers plus a little bit more on the full season clients and our partial season clients that they all stuck with us. And, you know, listen, we lost a couple of accounts as we try to roll them over to 2021, but many of them were smaller businesses who just said, listen, I'm coming back. But if I can take that money and I can keep a couple people on my payroll and keep a couple people off unemployment, um, we, we're going to do that. And listen, we were super flexible with these types of clients, you know, because in my eyes, helping someone out in the short term, I'm going to gain that back tenfold, you know, long term from a relationship. Uh, and I look at our business, it's all about relationships uh, at, the, at the end of the day. So, so we're really focused on, on, on next summer. Um, you know, we already have 19 million tickets on the books uh, for shows all around the country for next year. So, you know, that's where it is. That's where we're going to keep our focus. Our indoor stuff, that's going to potentially take a while to come back. We don't know the answer to that. You know, just like anyone who's in the sports world right now that may be inside an arena, we don't know when that time will come. And, um, you know, but we're going to stay focused on most importantly, creating a safe fan environment. And that's where it's going to be because if the fan's safe and the artist is safe, uh, you know, we'll all get this thing back on, on, on the tracks again and uh, get back to where we need to be. Let's talk a little about the division that you head up and that's the premium seat sales team. That's a group of sales and support staff that sells the good stuff, the low seating and the higher end experience at 50 plus concert and pavilion facilities throughout the U S Take us through the inventory you have and the kinds of experiences that your group sells and maybe a little about the rock boxes that you now have. Yeah, no, listen, I, I was pumped for this year. 
Um, yeah, this, this I would have finished just been starting my uh, my fourth season as the leader of this group. And one of the big things was, you know, the leadership team. I'm very fortunate and blessed to have a great leadership team. But we had made some big changes over the last couple of years and all everything was aligned perfectly this year. We had the right show count coming in, uh, our pre-sales and our renewals were off the charts. So we were like, all right, this is all everything we've been planning for is all coming together. But, you know. Listen, none of us knew this curveball was coming and, you know, we'll manage through those curveballs. But, you know, listen, the, pro the product for us and I, I, a unique thing about it is, you know, our buildings, many of them are 25 plus years old. Um, they weren't built to premium and in, in nature at that time. And, you know, a lot of our buildings are probably used no more than 50 nights a year. So that's a, that's a big thing for us is that when I got here four and a half years ago, the team had done a great job, you know, prior to me coming in of trying to leverage, you know, what they had with the resources that they had. And uh, with, my, with my direct leader, my boss, Tom C., president of Venues, you know, Tom has been instrumental in working with the company to really secure the capital because we've been making significant changes in the venue to elevate the fan experience because, you know, some of it was run down. Um, you know, we, we, we make a lot of our business off of uh, premium boxes uh, that you know, at the right at the, in the middle of the venue, great sight lines, privacy, um, in seat weight service and all of that. Um, but those, some of those were tired, you know, they were kind of run down and uh, we made a lot of enhancements of new furniture and a lot of soft good renovations in that, um, you know, in many of our venues, you know, all new, all new club seats and, and, and products like that. Um, out by you out there in Chicago, we've got, you know, unique feature. We've got suites and everything in that venue. We only have a few venues with outdoor suites. Um, but a big part of our, uh, where we were heading uh, was the communal experience and allowing fans not to be stuck in a row, um, you know, with not a lot of room to move. So we had moved in and, and we had just rolled out um, in the 19 season, six venues with the rock box, all high-end furniture um, and, and uh, catering right in there. And literally it's right in the middle of the venue. So you were kind of the baller. When people are walking by, they're like, who the hell are those people? How do they get in there? And how do I get? And it became a very aspirational product. You know, year one for us, you know, anytime we introduce a new product, and I'm sure many of you listening are the same thing, you know, it takes a while to get that concept going. And I knew going into this year, I know BB&T, which is in Cam Camden, New Jersey, right across from Philadelphia, um, we had already sold the whole thing out for the entire season. Uh, we had companies that came to us and said, I want to host my clients or I want to host my employees for a nice high-end, great experience. And, um, you know, it, we knew, boom, we hit this because they didn't want to have to just go 10 seats in a row, you know, in, in a small little area. They had room to move, room to dance, have a great time, uh, dedicated weight service. So, you know, we're really focused on, on creating that well-rounded fan experience so that when they leave, you know, they say, hey, I, I got more than what I paid for. And so when you came in 2016, you probably saw some of this. And just for the benefit of our listeners, you came from the Disney organization. You did a lot of things with the Disney theatrical group, Disney Cruise Lines, the theme parks. What were some of the lessons at Disney that you were able to bring to Live Nation when you came aboard? You know, I think the first and most important thing, it doesn't matter. You know, my first job out of college was for a company called Colette Vacations out of 
Pawtucket, Rhode Island, where I was selling escorted group tours around the world. You know, then I went into hotel sales briefly and then 19 years with Disney. At the end of the day, whether I was in any of those businesses or even for those listening that are in the sports business, we're all in the hospitality business at the end of the day. It's all about the experience for the fan, for the guest, uh, you know, when they come join us. So, you know, when I, when I look at the crossroads of, you know, what, did I, what have I experienced that we brought over to Live Nation um, is really changing that culture to focus in you know, in the hospitality in, environment, because that is where the fan is at. You know, they, they want to come, they want everything taken care of, and, you know, they just want to come and enjoy themselves and not have to worry about anything. And, and to me, it was it's the attention to detail. And, you know, listen, 19 years with the Walt Disney Company, uh, you know, impeccable, uh, you know, you, you've experienced probably the theme parks and they haven't experienced the cruise, I highly recommend it after COVID. Um, you know, but it's all the little things that really make and set apart the, the difference. Um, you know, and even when I got into our, in, into our products and things, you know, they, they all knew, oh God, here he comes from the GMs to the sellers like, oh, Doc, it's coming to a show tonight. Get ready. Cause there's going to be a massive checklist after, of, hey, we've got to upgrade these things. We got to do these things better. And was I a pain in the neck? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a couple, uh, you know, dolls, pictures of me on a wall with a couple darts through them. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but I knew that, listen, those little things made such a massive difference. And sometimes it wasn't even very costly to do these things, but it was just things that we were overlooking. So, you know, Tom and myself, you know, he, he was from Universal and Disney as well. So we both kind of have that, you know, different side of the brain that's been programmed in, into us. And, and that's where we spent a lot of times. And that culture has really come around, which has been so exciting to, to watch and see, um, you know, of, you know, that, that see, Hey, I look over outside the VIP club, got a nice, beautiful flower area. There's weeds in it. And I see my team going over to pluck a weed out. I'm like, that's what it's all about because that's what the guest is going to pick up when they look over, especially if they're like me, if my garden's on impeccable, I'm, a, I'm not a happy guy. Get rid of the weeds. So keep it clean. Well, that is a Disney hallmark, fanatical attention to detail. And it sounds like you've brought a little of that to the rock boxes and to the premium seating area. As you watched Disney respond to the pandemic within the theme parks and the other things they did, what were your observations as to how they did and did they do it right? Listen, I think the first thing that, you know, looking back, the part of the business that I knew the best was the theme park business. And, you know, it, it was just like all of us, we shut it down you know, cause none of us knew exactly was it, you know, would you get it from, you know, shaking someone's hand or was it airborne or whatever it was, you know, shut it, shut it down. Um, you know, what I, I do think, you know, Disney did well in this was, you know, just about the same time, you know, Disney plus was coming on. Um, everyone was stuck at home. So everyone was watching that. So I did, they, I think they did a stellar job of creating new entertainment, releasing stuff they probably had, and a five, 10 year plan down the road, fast forwarding that and getting that into people's homes. So I think that was, was great. Um, I give a lot of kudos for, for them getting the theme parks in Orlando back open and um, Disney Springs, their entertainment complex back open there. Um, listen, at lower capacities, but it's getting people back into a live experience uh, and entertaining and enjoying themselves. And listen, man, I, I love watching what, they, what they've partnered with the NBA. Uh, and bringing that whole experience together. Everyone's in the bubble. 
um, you know, and, and listen, for, for all of us sitting at home that don't have the sports to do, um, you know, they're, they're bringing it to us. You know, listen, it doesn't have quite the, the, the uh, pizzazz that it has when you've got a live audience in there, live fan base in there. No, but, um, you know, what I think they've done is kind of showed all of us that with the right proper planning and everyone buying into the system, uh, we, we can get back. We can get back to having entertainment and live, live events. And, um, you know, listen, I, I, I feel my heart goes out to my, my uh, first job at Disney, which was a startup at Disney Cruise Line back in 1996. And, uh, you know, that's a business that's just completely devastated at the moment. Um, you know, so hopefully they can uh, find a way to bring, bring that back. Because my wife and I were literally just on Disney Cruise Line two weeks before all of this um, hit. And um, we just had an, an awesome experience. And, you know, to know that that whole business is shut down and even for months to come is, uh, is, is sad to see. But, um, but no, listen, for all of us, it's all about bringing an experience and keeping our fans in, engaged. And, you know, we as a company, you know, very, very much work with all of the artists to try to bring entertainment to people's homes. So, you know, we have a whole live at home series, um, you know, which is the bigger Live Nation umbrella. You know, so people get, you know, get to bring all of their favorite artists in, into their house. And then we've been doing a uh, significant amount of fun stuff just for our full season series holders um, as well. And bringing special events that are exclusive to them uh, right into their homes uh, every month. So I think there's a lot going on. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, because that sounds like a very unique experience for those people who are your high end buyers, the people that you want to certainly take care of. What have you done for them during this time? We've, we work closely, actually. We're, daily working closely with our food and beverage team and in uh, curating special special type of experiences so that we bring something unique uh, you know to them that they can't just go on to Netflix uh, and find um, so we, we've gone through a series of events already we've got another series of events that will take us through uh, through the springtime but you know a couple of the unique things uh, that, that we've done you know our first one was a special interview with Hampton Waters, which is actually a, uh, a rosé wine that was started by John Bon Jovi's son, Jesse. And, you know, we did a spe special interview, you know, with him, we pre-shipped uh, Hampton Waters to a couple hundred of our clients ahead of time. And we had a virtual cocktail hour in celebration of National Rosé Day. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we did grilling with Tim Love. Tim Love is one of our uh, chef partners in our venues and you know we, we pre-shipped out steak and salmon and all kinds of his rubs and we had about an hour and 40 minute uh, cooking night with with Tim Love a virtual grilling event we actually had a couple of our clients actually there in Dallas with Tim uh, at one of his venues uh, barbecuing outside which was just an awesome ex experience and then uh, you know just recently in celebration of National Rum Day uh, we did a, an event with the, uh, one of their ambassadors, Bacardi, and uh, did a uh, kind of cocktail mixology lesson and helped everyone upgrade their mixology classes. And, and you know, we got a bunch of other great things coming up. You know, we got a woman in wine series, uh, which really ties in, um, you know, the, the wine aspect, but a lot of these are in the music business as well. So we got a nice tie to that. Um, we have Danny Kreos coming up. Uh, in, uh, in, in not in a couple weeks, I guess. And he, um, you know, his tacos are in all of our venues, but he's got an amazing life story that I think is uh, imperative. And, and again, he doesn't do a lot of this stuff. So we're bringing this right into people's homes. 
uh, direct from live, but we call it Banding at Home, live with Live Nation. We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark, and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry, like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zelaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Scher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts, and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com demo. That's isbi360.com demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Check out what's different about ISBI 360 today. I know that Live Nation has experimented with some of the drive-through events and some other ways in which to experience live entertainment. Take us through some of the kind of experiments that you've done and what your successes and maybe non-successes have been. Yeah, listen, the drive-in was really cool, fun experience, right? And the, the big piece of this was kind of navigating not only what we can do, obviously we want to be inside our venue, right? It's we know the systems, we, we got everything at our fingertips, uh, but due to local, you know, health restrictions or local laws, whatever it may be, I mean, listen, everyone has kind of clamped back on stuff, but we had worked, uh, listen, we were trying it in every venue, like, let's go, let's go live, but, you know, listen, I'm, I'm in New York and there was no way uh, the governor in New York was allowing anything remotely uh, of that type of a gathering legally. Uh, so stuff has happened since illegally, uh, not by us, but others. But um, but I would say, listen, the driving concept, you know, Indianapolis, St. Louis and Nashville in a partnership with the Titans, um, we actually converted our parking lots into a concert venue. And uh, similar to like a festival experience, you know, we built temporary stages out in the parking lot, um, built sound towers all over anywhere between 500 to about 1200 cars. Um, and it was a great uh, three-day uh, rotation uh, where we had Brad Paisley as the basis, and Brad Paisley did all three venues. Um, and we had two other country artists, uh, including Darius Rucker and John Party in Nashville, and had some local stuff. Um, but for us, it was, hey, listen, we, we want to get live music back. Um, people are craving for it. Let's bring it to them. And, and what we did, and, and I tip my cap to our ops team because it was a massive undertaking. Um, and we basically converted the parking lot so you had four people to a car. Um, you, you had three different parking spaces, one where you parked your car, then there was your kind of tailgating zone, and then there was the buffer zone before the next, next group of folks. Um, but man, I, I did not go to any of these, but you know, our GMs, our ops team, were, were doing FaceTime with all of us to, to show the experience. And I gotta tell you, people would just have an, an unbelievable time 
Um, you brought your own food and, and your own drink. We had some stuff for sale, um, you know, if, if you needed it, but it was just an experience to get people back. And, and we learned a lot from it. It tested a lot of our, um, our parking capabilities. Um, it tested us getting back to some socially distant potential situations we all may have to deal with um, in the future. It, it really changed something for, for my food and beverage team that we work with. Um, we went to QR codes for ordering food. And um, you know we had food trucks set off uh, in the back. We didn't obviously didn't want people walking through the parking lot. We wanted to bring it right to you. So everything was on a QR code. Um, and then we had golf carts running the food to the, to the guests. And you know, for us, we've already talked about, hey, how, we're gonna be able to incorporate that QR code experience into our premium seats and so forth for next year. So, you know, back to this, what we said earlier, you know, these kind of silver linings, this was a silver lining for us because it's probably something we may not have been advantageous to test during the season, but we're like, listen, we've got nine shows over three days. Let's test this thing and what do we learn? And, and as it quickly after night one, we're like, okay, we, we got something here that's going to help change that experience. And I know they're actually going to go broader, uh, you know, within the venue with QR codes, because listen, everyone's going to go to a touchless system um, and, and things like that. And uh, obviously the focus for us is 100% mobile transactions on, on all of that. So we get away from a lot of the uh, interaction of our tickets and, and PDFs and, and all of that. So yeah, I think there's you know, great, great experiences out there. And, um, you know, Listen, it's just a matter of get, getting the artists up and running and getting them out there and, you know, working with the local municipalities to get approval is, is probably the biggest challenge. Is there something that you learned during those drive-through events that didn't work out so well that you'd say, well, we tried it and yeah, it didn't work out as well as we thought it would? You know, the biggest thing, the, what, was, what was interesting was when we looked at the pricing right? So we're like, all right, if, if, you know, the first 15 rows, whatever it may be, every venue is a little bit different, you know, in Nashville, you know, the parking lot outside um, the stadium there has beautiful rows of trees, right? Um, so there was some obstruction things, but listen, if you're parking on a normal time, wow, it's great. But when you're trying to do a show like this, you're like, wow, there was trees there. But listen, we, we learned from that, but the fans still had an awesome time. Um, I would say the biggest thing we learned was actually pricing uh, on this because we said, hey, if you're in the first 15 rows, you know, that's the gold zone. Then you went to the silver zone, you know, and, and so forth. But what we realized when we got into it was, listen, if you were in the, even the first five, 10 rows of the silver zone, those were great opportunities. Those are great because you would literally, you know, head on to the stage. What we found was because the parking lots were so wide, even if you were in the gold zone, but you were on the wings, probably wasn't as greater a vantage point. Um, you know, so listen, we, we, we made those notes and, you know, it will make us think a little bit differently of, hey, what's that fan experience if you're off on the side? You know, do we bring in more screens? So we widen that section of the venue. Um, we actually had no problems with sound because we've done a lot of sound tests. So sound was never, never anything on that. But I think for us, it's kind of looking at, hey, you've got your premium locations and then you've got, you know, some that are just not quite as. Uh, premiums. I think that's probably a key learning. We'll, should we do more of these, uh, we'll really try to narrow that line so that people all get a great view of the stage. Yeah. I think many people just don't understand the complexity of putting on 
a regular live event, not, not the least of which is a brand new place you've never been before. You had all the logistics to figure out that you've never done before. What do most people not understand about how challenging it is to run an entertainment company like Night Nation when there are good times, let alone today? Yeah, you know what, uh, Michael, our CEO, he refers to our business as kind of a flywheel. And it is a kind of, when you really think about it, you've got everything from the artist management side of the business, you've got your venue management side of the business, you've got your sponsorship side of the business, you've got your ticketing side of the business. So, you know, it's not as easy as, hey, the, the band backs up their trucks, the roadies unload the cases, they throw up a couple, you know, they throw up a couple of, uh, sound towers and we throw some lights in there and let's go have a party um you know there's there's a lot that goes into that whole experience and and for us you know it is all of that stuff is super important and we make sure that we focus on that when that artist comes to our venue um it's a second home for them we spent a lot of money over the last couple of years of making an inviting environment listen these guys are on the road you know weeks upon weeks upon weeks and living, you know, in a bus and, and so forth, <clears throat> you know, they want to come in, just have great shower facilities. They want great rooms where they can just kind of kick back, relax. You know, they want the basketball courts out back. They want to go out and play basketball. And, um, you know, we've got a venue up in New Hampshire um, that came into the Live Nation fold a few years ago. And um, RJ, who's our GM up there, he and his wife, Bridget, have done an amazing job of really creating the ultimate in hospitality experience. Um, and we've leveraged a lot of what they did. I mean, literally, the trucks pull in. It's right on Lake Winnipesaukee. Um, it got a, they've got a great built-in pool, fireplaces back there. So listen, the fans want to come. They want to stay two, three nights, right? Because this is like, hey, this is a vacation. A lot of them treat it as a vacation downtime for their crew members. A lot of them will have their families come for, you know, two days just to kind of re regroup on that. But listen, it has places just for the kids to hang out. So they got their own tree hut. Uh, you know, and, and so forth, but, you know, really create that relaxing experience. So keeping the artists happy, um, because if they're happy, they're going to come back to the venue year upon year. Um, and listen, when they've had a great experience, you know, all day long, hanging out, chilling, uh, great food, food and beverage experiences. Uh, when they get up on stage, they're giving us 150%. And listen, the family is all excited um, as well. And then on the other side for us, it's, you know, really that smooth operation. And uh, we really focus on the service culture. And it's been a big piece of our push over the last couple of years that, listen, it all starts with that first point of contact of that person that may be out of the top of the parking lot as you pull in, you know, as simple thing as a smile and welcome, that sets the stage for that fan experience throughout the entire rest of the uh, show. Um, so we've been really focused on that and working with all of our, listen, we, we've got close to 30,000 seasonal people that come on and, and work with us every year. Um, and listen, this is, you know, these may be teachers, these may be students and so forth. And this is not what they do every day, but we really focus in on the service aspect. You know, even as simple as, listen, if you see someone taking a photo, go over and say, hey, can I take a photo of all of you? And, you know, a lot of people, oh, that's great. I wanted to be in the photo. I, you know, this whole selfie thing is a pain in the neck. Um, you know, you see someone fumbling, you know, at, you know, we say, listen, if you see a guest coming 10 feet away, give them a smile as they get closer you know, welcome, hello, have a great time. Can I help you with something? All those little things, you know, just really crystallize that fan experience of, hey, I want to go back there because it's just a great experience. 
Great. That's classic Disney, Brian. <laughs> it's a formula that we've seen work time and time again. And it works. And it's it works. Great to see you doing it there. The, the premium concert inventory that your group sells is pretty high end. I mean, it can range from 100 to even $400 or more per seat, depending on the venue, when someone might be able to buy a seat to that concert for as little as 20 bucks on the lawn. How do your people get around that price variation and, and guide us through how your people are selling that inventory? Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting? At the, at the end of the day, on the premium side, the majority of our inventory gets sold on a full season product basis. Um, and what's interesting is a lot of that stuff, you know, let's just say our season ends at Labor Day. Uh, we go right into renewals at that point. So we're renewing, you know, in the fall, we're selling new business. Obviously we're selling new business all the way through the season, but you know, a big push in that new uh, new business is that fall winter period. And what's interesting is our schedules aren't even released yet. So people are buying a full season product for the following summer from us, not even knowing who's coming. All they know is we guarantee them, depending on your venue, you know, I'm gonna guarantee you 25 concerts next summer. That's what the people are buying, right? That's what they're renewing at uh, and so forth, where it all comes back to, you know, those, those simple things that we talked about is the perceived value of the product and making sure that, hey, I go in, my area, spotless, it's clean, I've got great service, you know, what, you know, start at the top, I come into a private parking lot just for premium customers, right? And a lot of times I literally walk from a small parking lot right into the VIP club, get scanned outside, walk in, get my wristband, I'm in the VIP club, have a great experience. We've done an amazing job with our food and beverage team, elevating, curating special uh, food and beverage options for them. So I hang out, got great wait staff, and then, you know, concert's ready to start. I'm not rushing to my seat. You know, I know, listen, the concert starts in five minutes. I leave the VIP club, walk right over, and I get in either my, you know, my private box or my club seats or whatever it may be. And, you know, then in there, you know, we've got in-seat wait service, um, you know, and so forth. Because, listen, what we don't want is that band kind of looking around like, oh, I got to go get a drink. But what happens if my favorite song comes on? I miss it. Right? I miss it. Like, I literally have been planning to come see Zach Brown and I wanted my toes in the sand, you know, and I'm stuck either in, in, in a line, you know, no, we bring it all to you. And, uh, and then it's all the other stuff that we do, uh, you know, beyond that. Listen, when you buy a full season ticket package with us, you're part of the family. So, you know, like I said, I'm the summer amphitheaters, but if there's a stadium tour coming or an arena tour coming in the wintertime and our clients want access to that, they get the access to that. So to some of them, that's, that's, impeccable experience for them because then they don't have to worry about it. I got to go got to be online when the show goes on sale no I just call the premium sales department and hey you know what I need four tickets to go see XYZ artist at, at the uh, local arena uh, and we take care of that for them it all comes down to the service so relationships and service and the experience uh, and that perceived value is what keeps our premium customers coming back year and year again so let's fast forward, if we can, Brian, to that night that the fans come back in each of your venues. That first concert is set to happen. It's a glorious evening. Wherever in the future that'll be, what will be different for the fans when they arrive at that time? Walk us through what you've been talking about internally at Live Nation about the changes that they'll see from the parking and the gate entrance, the seating, concessions. What's being discussed right now about what that will look like? The biggest thing is working with our, our, our local leaderships 
um, in our relationships with the local cities and towns that we're in and, and making sure that we work with them, that they are on board with what we're planning to do. And, um, you know, listen, I think we'll all go back to the touchless experience. I mean, I think we're seeing that change in, in retail stores, uh, you know, right now. So I think you'll see much more of that experience, um, you know, and trying to eliminate lines wherever we can. And, um, you know, we, we talked about the QR codes that we, you know, tested at our drive-in. I think you'll see much more of that, not only in the premium spaces, but on the general concourses. Um, you know, we, we had done a lot of work operationally to figure out, hey, if we can only have a venue that can go at 50%, how do you do a socially distant concert? Uh, you know, and that is, you know, how do you do the seats and so forth? And I thought it was, it was a lot of fun when uh, we, we tested one of our venues for our lawns, right? So on some of our lawns across the country, you can get 10, 15,000 people. Um, but how do you create an experience up on the lawn? And, you know, thank God for Google Earth, because we're able to do a lot of stuff with Google Earth and create these fun pods. Um, you know, so you would buy a pod, it would have four chairs, and you would have your six feet social distance um, around you. So listen, we're prepared for that if, if that's where we need to start the season uh, with socially distanced stuff and slowly build up. We're going to build those processes. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of work and a lot of talk about and, and sports teams are doing the same thing, timed entry, timed exit. Um, so if that's something that we need in order to control uh, the fan flow, we'll, we, we're working on systems, uh, you know, through, through that. And, um, you know, obviously for, for us in the, you know, being part, Ticketmaster being part of the Live Nation family, it is the elevation of the mobile experience um, as well. And listen, if we have to go to contact tracing um, as well, we're working with a lot of medical experts right now to set that. So if we have to have contract tracing programs in place, um, we'll have that. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for all of us is it's still the unknown. You know, ev everything's changing. You know, I, I, I know that my, my wife's a teacher and we're getting ready in New York to go back to back to school. And there's unknowns on, from remote teaching, have kids in class, not have kids in a school. I think we're all experiencing the same thing in, in the live world. And is what is that experience going to be like? So listen, I think for all of us, it's build those contingency plans, have them ready. And then when we get that green light to go, we're able to pivot. We've already done our homework and we're prepared. Uh, the worst thing any of us can do in the live experience is try to wing it um, because we'll only do more harm than good. Um, we'll get bad reputations along the way. So prepare, prepare, prepare. And then when we're ready to execute, we're able to do that with the priority of keeping safety for the fan and for us, the artist, uh, paramount in anything that we do. Sure. Well, with you being in the business you're in and your wife being a teacher, my guess is you've got dozens of storylines that you're following in the docket household. What are some of the trends or maybe storylines that you're watching really closely that maybe people aren't discussing right now that you think will be more important sooner than later? Yeah, no, listen, I think it's, I, I think we're all anxious right now of the if and when, when, when is it going to happen? You know, um, you know, we got to trust our medical experts. I always say trust the system, um, you know, and we got to trust that, you know, our, our pharmaceutical companies and our medical experts are quickly working towards finding a vaccine um, on that. So listen, you know, kudos to anyone who's in the healthcare uh, world right now, we uh, we all salute you. 
uh, for all the work you're doing to, to keep keep us safe. And I think that is, you know, listen, when I put my head down on the pillow at night, I just keep thinking, when is this going to change? Um, and I think we all wake up like that uh, and so forth. But listen, I think, you know, just life right now, and I, I was talking to someone this weekend about this, you know, it's just the crossroads of our country right now um, that, that is imperative. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Um, we all must, we all have to unite right now. And I think back to 9-11 and living here, you know, literally 35 miles from, from ground zero um, and, and knowing many people who lost their lives or their lives were just upended. Uh, I know a lot of firefighters literally who dug through piles, you know, for days on end uh, and hear the stories, hear the stories of that. But was the silver lining to that situation was we all came together. We had a spirit of having each other's backs. Um, and that's lost today. And, uh, you know, I think hopefully we can all uh, put down the, put down the, all the other stuff that's going on and, and come together as one and we can, uh, we can kick butt uh, and get our backs, get our lives back to where we want it to be. Amen. Well, I have a few rapid fire questions for you to conclude here. So right, the first thing that comes to your mind, the, your favorite binge watch during the pandemic? Ozarks. The car you would drive with money being no object at all? An Infiniti Q80. The live performer you're most looking forward to seeing again that you missed in 2020 from Live Nation? Uh, huge James Taylor fan. Ah. The sit-down restaurant you will go to first after this whole thing is done? Oh, that's a good one. I guess I'm going to have to say Appetino's in, in White Plains, New York. Great Italian food. Good. Vacation spot you appreciate now more than ever? The beach. <laughs> one piece of technology you couldn't live without during this time? Oh, absolutely the iPhone attached to my hip. Last question. One bold prediction that you would have for the live event industry going forward? 2020 is going to be a banner concert season. And when that fan lets loose at the venue and the artist lets loose on stage, it's going to be an electrifying experience. I can't wait to be there. Well, we're so grateful for you taking time to talk with us. We're with Brian Dockett, Senior Vice President of Premium Seat Sales at Live Nation. Brian, thanks so much for taking time to be here on The Crowdmakers. Bill, thanks for having me and, and all the best. And uh, let's get through this together, folks. If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast. And we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep The Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on the Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of the Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Team. Until next time, thanks for listening and so long for now. This is the Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.